to the Crush the Fuck podcast. Today uh, will be a very emotional podcast. It's one I've been putting off for far too long, and I guess I had to be in the mindset to to make such a podcast. Uh, but t- today is what I'm calling Confessions of an Anxious Mind. And if you have followed my podcast, followed my journey, um, ever watched our TV show Chaos and Kindness, or uh, been a part of our social media ecosystem, you would absolutely understand um, and uh, you would have the knowledge that I have long suffered from anxiety and, um, and, and its effects on the decisions I make in life, uh, how it affects me uh, physically, emotionally, and those around me. And for the last several days, I've really been in a, in a headspace where this podcast uh, might be the only outlet in which I feel like I can get some kind of reprieve so this will be a longer than normal podcast. Uh, I'm going to speak from my heart. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story, my journey. And I think a lot of you out there will uh, have a very similar um, feeling. Uh, the context may be a little bit different, but I'm sure a lot of you will understand uh, the emotions, the feelings, the, the, the struggles that I have to deal with on a daily basis. When I was in fifth grade, uh, I grew up in a trailer park, and uh, school was always difficult for me. At an early age, I was kind of... Uh, put into a, a different class with individuals, uh, students who were hyperactive, uh, had a hard time focusing. It could be kids with autism. Um, it could be uh, kids that just a little bit, uh, that just struggled a little bit more. And, uh, you know, so since I was a kid, I've always kind of believed that I would have a difficult time uh, retaining uh, information. I'd have a difficult time uh, being a normal person, right? So growing up, I was really taught at an early age that you know, I wasn't smart, and that was that was a that was a big hit for me. Um, so I grew up my entire adolescent life uh, being very uh, omni aware that I was not an intelligent human being. And I remember one time specifically, uh, you know, back when I was in school, my grades reflected my effort. I had a difficult time focusing in class. I suffered from severe ADHD. And uh, I didn't always have the best home life. And of course, when you're a kid, you don't really know the effects that this has on you uh, because you only know the life that you have and you assume that everyone else's life is much like your own. Uh, I always say, you know, I I love my parents uh, very much. I love my family very much. But I didn't always have it easy. My parents got divorced when I was seven years old. Like a lot of you are listening to this, I come from a divorced family. Uh, My mom and, uh, you know, has long been an alcoholic. I, you know, I think that she's always kind of in and out of that and um, suffers with a lot of the same mental illnesses that I suffer from. And my stepdad uh, also was an alcoholic and still is. And growing up, uh, living in a trailer park with them, I was an only child until I was 10. I saw a lot of domestic violence, a lot of things that would make any child anxious, okay? So you mix that with the chemistry and the genetic makeup of one who already suffers from anxiety ADHD and things like that. Of course, I don't know. I think that I'm just like everybody else. I think I just have a lot more energy at this point in my life. But school really was difficult for me. And I remember this one time in, in particular, I had received a report card where I think my best grade was a C. And I think it was gym class. Uh, and I remember the feeling of taking home this report card on a Friday night and knowing that I didn't want to confront my mom and my stepdad uh, on that Friday, because I lived in this trailer park, all the kids got together, and we all went out, made forts in the woods, and played, and you know, like every fifth grade kid did, you looked forward to that those weekends. And I knew that if my parents, or my, my mom and my stepdad, saw this report card, there was a pretty good chance that I was going to be grounded for the weekend. Uh, 
And I also and I also didn't like confrontation. And looking back on this, this confrontation, um, you know, phobia, if you will, comes from watching domestic violence so much in my life and hearing people yelling at each other. Um, and I think that I always tried to avoid those situations. I still do in my adult life. And we'll we'll touch on that later on in the podcast. So I remember specifically hiding this report card on a Friday. And uh, then Saturday comes along, and then, you know, I still don't want to show her. And then Sunday comes along, and you're like, I got to show her because she knows it's come out. You know, Monday comes along, and now I've hidden this thing for so long. The anxiety is building about giving my mom this report card. Uh, and long story short, eventually when I came forward that I had the report card, um, I remember my mom slapped me, in, slapped me across the face for lying to her. It was the only time my mom had ever laid a hand on me. Uh, it was the last time she ever laid a hand on me. And I'll never forget it at the age of five, uh, fifth grade, at the age of like 10, um, having my mom really show how disappointed she was in me, not only just for my report card, uh, but just for, for lying. But what she might not have understood at that time is that because of the confrontation that I had witnessed for so long, I was avoiding those things. I have long hated confrontation, um, so I would always procrastinate. And that's what this really was a reflection of. So looking back, this was really my first experience with anxiety. And through the years, there was flashes of anxiety, ADHD, ADHD, and decision-making without thinking of any consequences, right? That's a big part of ADHD, is people that have ADHD, it's more than just having a lot of energy. It's making decisions uh, without thinking of what the, what the repercussions will be uh, with those decisions, right? You're, you're thinking and asking for forgiveness later on. You're making impulsive decisions. And this could be good, and this can be bad, and I'll, I'll explain to you. Uh, throughout this podcast, how those really have affected me in both good and bad ways. Uh, I remember going one time uh, to the doctors when I was about uh, early 20s, when I started having my first ever panic attacks. And when I started having panic disorder, again, been well documented in, in previous podcasts, but I started having panic attacks uh, around 20 years old, 19, 20 years old. And these really, really, really changed who I am as a person to this day. Uh, you know, there was years where I had a tough time leaving the house. There was years where I was antisocial. I, were, I was in, in fear of panic happening. And really what this has basically become now is the panic disorder, I learned how to overcome that through medication, through counseling in my early 20s. But it's all of a sudden now turned into what I would consider, you know, GAD, an extreme version of general anxiety disorder. So now my panic attacks don't really manifest to true panic attacks, but now I've been able to overcome that but now I get in an anxious state of mind, which will last for a long time. So I remember going to the doctors when I was in my early 20s. I had the same doctor. He was, he was my uh, pediatrician. And he was actually a, 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 he was a really good guy. His name was Kevin. Uh, and I remember being about 22 years old and him saying, you know, do you want to see? Because I come to him saying, listen, I'm having this anxiety. I don't know what's going on. I, I, I had my first panic attacks. I don't even know what this feeling is. I feel like I can't control myself. I feel depressed. I'm crying for no reason. Um, I can't get out of my head. And he said, do you want to see your, your files? You're old enough now to see your files. And I'm like, what files? Like the files that we've had on you since you were a child. And he's documenting, looking back, even as early as like 7, 8, 9, 10 years old, he's documenting my struggles with anxiety before I ever knew it was there. He's like, we've always long known here at the office that you are somebody who has an incredibly high-functioning, anxious brain. Now, going back to what I was saying earlier, I was always under the impression that I wasn't educated, uh, that, I was, that I wasn't going to be smart enough to make it, that I was kind of a castaway. 
uh, and here he's saying, we've always thought you had a high-functioning brain, very intelligent. Um, you know, you know, he'd always say, I ask a lot of questions. I'm, I, I want to know everything. So looking at that, I'll never forget looking through those papers with my doctor and getting a, getting a glimpse into my past and almost reintroducing myself to a person that I didn't know who I was, right? So I'm, I'm reintroducing, I'm being reintroduced to, to the Justin that he knows that I'm not aware of who they are, right? So that was my first time going, okay, I have an anxious mind. This is, this is what this is going to be. And, you know, so I battled this all through my adult life. And, and, and still to this, to this day, um, it really comes back to, to bite me. And it goes through cycles. It can go through long cycles in the sense that I might not get an incredibly anxious mind for a long period of time. Then there's many cycles where I get anxiety almost every few, three or four days on a smaller scale. The bigger anxiety moments for me are ones that really take me out of who I am as a person and make me start questioning everything about my life. Um, this has happened many times. Usually, for me, it's predicated around two things. One, um, I always have this, I've always had this underlying hypochondria that I'm going to die from something, right? So, um, I, 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 there, was, there was times where I would think I would have AIDS or HIV and I would go get tested like, you know, uh, re, you know, almost on a weekly basis. And no matter how many times they told me I didn't have it, I would think I had it. I was convinced I had it. Um, and I would create these situations and I would obsess uh, over these things. I would spend all night long on the internet looking up different symptoms or different things. And, I, and my anxiety was so prominent that my anxiety would actually create physical symptoms that I was looking up. Like, oh, I have that. And it was very real, right? So we know that anxiety... It's, it's, it's taking fictional ideas and making them non-fictional in your head. So you take an idea that's very, very, very unrealistic and making it very realistic, right? We all understand that that's what anxiety is. It's the worst case scenario. It's for sure going to happen. There's no doubt about it. So for a long time, I would obsess over medical stuff. And even if I went in there, okay, now I'm obsessing over I have something. I, I think I've, I've, I've put this down in a previous podcast. I remember one time, I, for about six months, I was convinced I, I was coming down with ALS. I had brain scans done. I, I, I mean, I had um, electrotherapy done. I spent tens of thousands of dollars getting tested for something that the chances of somebody you know, in their 30s having ALS are so low, one in 100,000, that in my mind, it was, it was, it was very, it, there was no chance I didn't have it, right? So that gives you an idea on the inside track of anxiety. The doctor's saying, you have a 1 in 100,000 chance of having this. I'm thinking, I'm the guy. There's no question I'm the guy. It's more realistic that I'm the guy. And you can hear the anxiety in my voice takes. That this, this podcast is much of a confessional. It's, 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 this is me talking to you in an anxious state in that long cycle that I'm looking for answers to. So that's why it was important to me to make this podcast day specifically so I can share with you. Uh, you can hear the anxiety in my voice. You can hear it in my inflection. Uh, and you can also, you know, you, you can also understand from my vantage point, hey, listen, this is what you, you probably sound like. This is what maybe you're going through in your life. So for a long time, hypochondria has long been uh, something I've struggled with. Uh, that usually goes away and it'll be replaced by something else. So it could be um, the judgment of others. That's a big one for me, right? So my entire adult life, my entire adult life has been based around the judgment of others. Uh, the money I make, the uh, career path I've chosen is all predicated on 
supply and demand, fame, popularity, right? Um, you know, when you're not popular, you're playing elementary schools for $200 a show uh, when you're a kid. Uh, once you've gone on America's Got Talent more than anybody and you've been touring the world, you've done 5,000 shows in Las Vegas and you're a premier world actor, you're $50,000 an hour, right? So my whole life has been based around being judged by others. If people don't like you, they won't come see you, they won't believe in you, they won't trust you, and they're not going to support you, right? I don't work, I don't have a normal job. I don't have a job that I can, you know, go to that's judgment-free. I have a very, I have a job that's very, very, very easy to judge by others. People aren't going to like you. People are going to criticize you. People are going to, they're going to, they're going to say things about you when they don't know you. So this is something I've long struggled with. Uh, and, I know that a lot of you listeners out there are saying, but Justin, you always tell us to not worry about what somebody says about you. And you are 100% right. And I know how difficult that is. I'm, I'm more referring to uh, who cares what kind of clothes you wear? Who cl- cares the job choice you make? Who cares the hobbies that you want to do? Uh, who cares the person you're in love with? Those things to me are things that nobody should have any control over, over other than you. But when people say hurtful things about you, when people are, you know, criticizing the person that in your moral code, your moral ethics, when they have, when they are flawed individuals, this is where things to me get a lot more uh, complicated, a lot more stressful, and they can they can set me off, right? So your mind will play tricks on you, right? You'll obsess over all these things. Uh, if you are someone with an anxious mind. You'll, you'll know exactly what I say when your mind will play tricks with you and when you obsess over it. Like, you can't stop thinking about it. You can't stop thinking about what thing you are anxious about. For sure it's going to happen. You can't stop thinking about it. No, no one's going to understand you. And your, your mind is just going on and on and on and on and on about whatever it is that you're battling. Um, and you might be able to d- dissipate it for a couple of days, but if you're an anxious mind, and I, uh, and I always say there's a scale out there, uh, you know, if you're a, on a scale of one to ten, you know, a ten is a full-blown panic attack, and a one is uh, basically a fucking monk. In most people, they function at about a four, right? Most people are three or four, and they're pretty moderate. So it takes a lot for them to spike into panic attack mode. They can handle a lot more. Someone like me on a scale of one to ten rides at about a seven or eight. So I don't have a lot of room for growth. I can get very anxious very quick. Um, and, and it physically affects me, it mentally affects me, it, it changes how I, I operate my business, it changes how I, how I act with my friends, how I interact with my, my family. So, so anxiety really is this very, um, this, it's, not, it's not just, hey, I'm anxious, I'm worried today. Anxiety is really causing a lot of us to miss out on some amazing things because while amazing things are happening around you, and people are happy around you, uh, and the sun is shining, and you have all this opportunity, you're so narrow-minded, and you're so hyper-focused, and you're so obsessed over something that you just cannot get past it. Going back to that story I was talking about a minute ago about how when I had ALS, uh, or I thought I had ALS, uh, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I couldn't stop obsessing. I was on, I was on every medical message board. I was on, uh, you know, I was obsessing over it. We were, it was about, this was about six years ago. We were uh, building a show in Las Vegas. We were spending about, I don't know, I would have to say over $5 million in this show. Uh, it, was a, it, was, it was a big production. We were going to open a new show in Las Vegas at, at Planet Hollywood. And 
I remember sitting in meetings with the producers, the guys in the band, and while everybody's like focusing on writing this amazing show and spending all this money and it's going to be the fucking best show in Las Vegas, I'm in the corner of my fucking phone just like message, messaging people around the world that have ALS to ask them their experiences and how they got diagnosed and the best fucking doctors. I'm like, and, and like, I'm not even, engaged. and this goes on for weeks. I'm obsessed. I can't stop. I can't function. I can't get out of my mind with that kind of thing. And that kind of mindset, that kind of paralyzing mindset, you've, you've probably been there in some way. Maybe not as drastic as me. Maybe your anxiety isn't as bad as mine. But my desire to be loved by people is no different than yours. And nothing I do is to be loved by people. I try to be who I am. But I have such an empathetic personality that if I make somebody mad, if I see a thousand people in a crowd and one person's arms are folded I, and the other 999 are going bananas and they're loving the show, I can't stop focusing on that one person. I just can't. As much as I know that's not reasonable, as much as I know that that isn't uh, important, you're not going to make, every, not everybody's going to love you. Nobody's perfect. I've said this time and time again. If you looked at my life under a microscope and you, and you knew every truth about me, you know, half you would fucking leave me and half you would stand by me because the other half would say, hey, listen, we've all made mistakes. We all do stupid shit. You can't judge somebody else. But for me, those things are what makes me anxious and you can't shake it. It's so hard to find a way out in your life. Once you start obsessing over it, it is so hard to find a way out. How many of you listening to this have obsessed over something or, or have anxiety about something? You just can't. And it could be, it could be something you have um, a phobia of. It could be something that, that you know, you have PTSD situation. Uh, it, there's a lot of different ways this can go. I'm just telling you about mine. That's why I call this confessions of an anxious mind. I'm just telling you my confessions, what I have to deal with on a daily basis. When my eyes open, it's not five fucking seconds and I'm already obsessing over what I went to bed obsessing over. If the room is quiet, I obsess. If I get anxious, I walk in circles. I don't talk about mental health and anxiety because I'm a doctor. I talk about mental health and anxiety because I'm the patient. And I want to be there with you guys. I want you to understand that you're not alone in, the, in, the, in these mindsets. That you aren't walking this journey alone. And I'm not sure I'll ever get over it. I'm not sure I'll ever, ever, ever be able to have an anxious free life. I'm on, med I'm on medication. Eh, it helps sometimes. I exercise more than anybody. I eat right. I surround myself with great people. But I have to ask myself, am I anxious because I'm afraid of letting you down? Or am I anxious because it's genetics? Now you might look at my life and say, wow, I wish I had Justin's life. Why? Because I have a couple cool cars. I've always had cool cars. That's not news. Why? Because I get to play on stage? Yeah, that's cool. I've been playing drums since I was two years old. I earned that right. Why would you want to be me when you can be you? Just because I'm someone that you look up to or somebody that you see as a quote-unquote you know, famous person or whatever the fuck you want to call us, I call me a regular dude. It doesn't mean my life and my struggles aren't any more difficult than yours.
or easier. I sit here right now doing this entire podcast from my heart telling you that these are things that I suffer with. These are things that these are things that I have to deal with on a daily basis. And I've put myself in a job, a career path that's based on being judged by people. And for someone who struggles with that, who wants nothing more to be seen by, seen by my fans as a person I am, no matter how many good deeds I do, there's a hater. No, how many, no, matter, no, no matter what my intentions are, somebody thinks they know my intentions more than me. Imagine going your entire life like that. I'm not looking for a pity party. I'm not looking for you to, look, to, to feel bad for me. That's not what this podcast is about. I just want to let you know that I'm feeling the pain that you feel as well. These are things that I go through on a daily basis, every single day. And then I have to remind myself that I'm in a band with guys that love me, that I have a family of people who love me, that I have the most amazing friends and most amazing doctors, and no matter what I did, no matter what I've done wrong in my life, they're going to be there for me. No matter what things I think my fans would hate me for, they're going to be there for me. People that truly care for you, they'll be there for you. People that are judgmental, people that like to ridicule, people that don't show empathy and compassion, people who don't forgive or try not to understand, you have to wonder if it's them in their life, if they're the ones who are struggling, who are insecure. I know someone listening to this right now knows exactly what I'm talking about. And I feel your pain. I feel your pain in the sense that your smiles, half of them are fake. And you're afraid to show people the real you. It's tough to show the real you because your family depends on you, your kids depend on you, your coworkers depend on you, your friends depend on you. Same here. I'm the leader of all my, of my companies. I'm the leader of my family. I'm the leader of my band. Justin's got this, right? He's got it. And that weight that you carry, that's some real shit right there. That's not, that's, you can't buy yourself out of that. I've tried. I care about humanity in the sense that I want everyone to find a way to shed that, that anxious mindset so that you can enjoy the great days. You can enjoy when things are going great around you. To get out of that out-of-body experience where you are looking at your life instead of living your life. I wasn't sure how to really convey these messages to you guys because I wasn't coming on here, like I said, I'm not coming on here with the antidote. I'm not coming on here with a solution. I'm looking for that solution with you. I'm looking to find me with you. Every podcast I make, every speech I conduct, 
every post I post on social media is 100% organic, 100% from the heart, because I'm walking this journey with you, alone and scared, despite being surrounded by people who care. I've said this before on stage, and I've said it, <laughs> I've said it many times. You can be rich or poor. In the, in the the happiness is the same. For me, I have to solve anxiety. I don't have depression as much as I have anxiety. Anxiety for me eventually manifests itself and disguises itself as depression because you start to live in this alternate thought process. So you start to have this alter ego, which is depressing. And you don't know how to shake it. And you try. You listen to podcasts like this. You listen to audiobooks, read books, grab magazines, watch YouTube videos, talk to friends, try medications, try, you know, Google seven best ways to solve anxiety. And some of it helps. But if you can find the purpose in your life, if you can find the things that make you happy, and don't make your decisions based on how you feel other people will look at you, that goes a long way in this process. So right now I'm asking myself, am I doing things for you or am I doing them for me? Am I driving a nice car for me or am I driving it for you? Am I going to make another live concert, DVD tour, fucking go all in and go back to Las Vegas and play 10,000 fucking shows mindset for you? Because that's what you think I want or you want or am I going to do that for me? Am I making chaos and kindness TV shows for you or for me? And these are all questions I have to ask myself on the daily. And you can practice this in your own life, on your own accord. Are you doing these things for you or are you doing them for someone else? And it's a tough question to ask because the answer, if it's not for you, is a bitch. And it's hard to get out of because it's way easier to live life in status quo than it is to make change because we fear change. We're afraid of it. We think that having money in our bank account so we can go to home goods, that makes us happy. But the price we pay ultimately is that we watch our life go, life go by and never really fully monetize our happiness. So I'm going to take some time and I'm going to work on my anxiety and I hope you guys do the same. I hope you guys uh, take the time to really focus on yourselves, just like I'm doing for myself. And if you're out there right now and you're in that same kind of mindset and you're in that bottom side of that cycle, I feel you. I'm with you. And I hope you guys can get through it because at the end of the day, you don't have a choice to try to make the right one. You guys, I'm out of here. Take care. You've been listening to the Crush the Fuck Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and visit chaosandkindness.com for more.